Um, today we will celebrate Buddha's birth. It's, it's a great devotional practice that we will be participating in. Are you able to hear okay, Corrine? Good, good. Um, today, uh, uh, we, we pick a day, we pick a Sunday in early April to celebrate Buddha's birthday. It doesn't land on any particular day. Um, some traditions um, put Buddha's birthday, Buddha's enlightenment day, and Buddha's parinirvana all in one day and have one big, <laughs> one big um, ceremony and celebration. Um, we parse those out. Today uh, uh, also is a day that the Watsonville Buddhist Church is celebrating Hana Matsuri right about now. Um, and they're celebrating it with, um, with Ikebana and bonsai and lunch. And we're celebrating with myriad flowers uh, a little later in the afternoon and, and cake. So we're all on the same page. Uh, and um, uh, sometimes people in our Zen tradition have a little trouble with devotional practices even though we're always chanting we're always bowing to uh, the buddha at the altar we're bowing to each other we have um we have uh, manjushri riding his lion on the altar as well as the Buddha sitting in meditation. Uh, so we're, not, we're never far from these devotional practices. Um, but um, I think Dogen would be the first to say that, um, that uh, you know, these devotional practices that we traditionally think of as, you know, heart practice, maybe some of the critical ones say maybe they're more sentimental practices but they're definitely wholehearted practices and dogen would be the first to say that uh, all of our practice is with our whole heart when um when we drop body and mind as dogen says and maybe what we say here is when we drop that ego mind that separates us as individuals from other people and kind of works 
in the direction of uh, making things go pretty well for just this one self. When we drop that, what's left is just the heart mind, the heart mind that, that is willing to meet and be in accord with all beings. And as we've been talking about all these four days, uh, the heart mind is uh, nothing but the whole works. Is the heart mind is the complete nourishment of spring, as we've said from the first day. The heart mind is the huge swallow of the moon, uh, where there's no separation, where, um, where we uh, dwell all the time. And, uh, and sometimes we do jump in the car and go to a, what we think of as an individual destination. I've got to get there on time. I've got to get to this class on time. I've got to get to this, this um, uh, zazen on time. Sometimes we think that's, that's an individual activity. But as we've talked about these last four days, that's just our part in the dance the dance of paying attention to all the world around us. And, um, uh, and then when we pull up in front of the Zen Center and we, we find out we've got, we've got two full minutes to get here and we can breathe a little bit, we can breathe a little bit. And then we remember, oh, I've been dancing all the time. I've been I've been acting in accord with the whole universe all of this time. And now I'm going to uh, walk calmly into the Zen Center and I'm gonna participate in this ceremony of Zazen. Uh, were, were you, uh, Liz, when you first heard uh, Reb talk about the ceremony of Zazen, were you kind of surprised? Uh, I'm surprised, but also really appreciated it. Me, yeah, yeah, me, me too. I mean, I mean, uh, I thought this was the whole thing: is coming to the Zen Center, and uh, and and sitting in this posture, and settling on the mind, the source mind. I thought that was the whole works, uh, but but but. Uh, Reverend Anderson clearly pointed out that, um, that uh, as Dogen did, Zazen isn't just about sitting. Zazen is the whole universe in the whole dance. And what we do when we start a period with three bells and we end it with one bell, uh, we're celebrating the whole works. Uh, in this ceremony of bells and posture, and uh, uh, it was it was a great 
it, it really it really was a great thing to, to think about oh uh, being a good Buddhist is not uh, is not showing up regularly um, in this in this corner of space but is is remembering to swallow spring to be swallowed by spring to realize our dance uh, breath after breath and even even then the term good buddhist just fades away um, and uh, and we're just dancing um, Dogen, Dogen says it this way in the in the um, Jijuyu Zamai, this self-fulfilling and self-enjoyment samadhi. Um, and this isn't the small self. It's it's that um, it's what Suzuki called the big self. The big self is the moon swallowing self. The big self is the spring nurturing self that uh, is in accord with all things so so this jijuyu zamai is the complete function of that big self when even for a moment you express the buddha's seal which is the buddha's mind and body in the three actions, the whole phenomenal world becomes the Buddha's seal and the entire sky turns into enlightenment. Because of this, all Buddhas as their original source increase their Dharma bliss. So this, this action of sitting and chanting and our formal meals in, in, in um, Sashin, the bowing towards the altar, and then later today being among a field of spring flowers, being, being uh, um, uh, swallowing up spring and um, celebrating uh, the birth of our original teacher with with a sweetened um, a sweetened tea um, all of that is enlightening the sky is swallowing up the sky and the moon is is um, uh, increasing the dharma bliss of our buddha ancestors that you think you know haven't they had it all already uh, haven't they gone through enough sashins and realized the uh, realized the the um, innate harmony of the universe already? But uh, every time we we dress up that altar outside and make up that tea and go two by two up and and anoint the statue of the baby Buddha with with sweet tea, every time we do that. Uh, there's more Dharma bliss that we are offering 
to all of our ancestors. I wonder if I, Buddha certainly used the term ancestors, but you know, he wouldn't ever have thought of those ancestors as being in the past uh, and not alive and vital and awake right now. Um, uh, those Buddha ancestors are every blossom. Those Buddha ancestors are every word that we chant as we're, as we're anointing the statue with, with sweet tea. Uh, it's all, it's all right here. Um, and when we can wholeheartedly join that, uh, we say, oh, there's the enlightenment of the sky. Oh, there's the enlightenment of all earth and the sun and the moon and the plasm and the planets. Now I see it. Now I see it. It's just this heart opening practice that we have the opportunity to do breath by breath, moment by moment. Um, a few centuries ago, maybe 25 centuries ago, uh, Buddha and his disciples spoke of the Buddha's, Buddha's, um, Buddha's birth. We're speaking of Buddha's birth with um, California flowers and chocolate cake at the, at the Watsonville Buddhist church today, right now, they're speaking of Buddha's birth with ikibana and bonsai and bento boxes. And 25 centuries ago in India, they spoke of the Buddha's birth with the images of their culture, the images that they had grown up with images that they knew to be nourishing and home and speaking of the accord of their universe that they were able to see uh, in in India so so these are these are different words than we usually use to describe the Buddha's birth This, these words are the words that Buddha and his followers chanted from the Lalita Vistara Sutra, a nice long sutra that describes the Buddha's life. 
Um, and, um, and, and this is the way Buddha was describing his life and it was passed down to us by his ancestors who were able to write it down. Um, uh, Lalita Vistara means the play in full. This, this is the play, the, the um, Midsummer Night's Dream of Buddha's life all written down. And it makes us think, you know, what, 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 what life are we dreaming of now? You know, what's, uh, this, is the, this is the life of, of Patrick, the, the, the dream of Patrick, the, the, uh, the play that I'm acting out where I show up at the Zen Center every morning and I hurry to get this robe on and uh, I offer incense. And after a few hours, I go home and, and make my lunch. Uh, that's the play, the, the dream of Patrick's life. And, and, um, and we've all got the play that we're acting out, that we're, uh, that we're um, the star of. Uh, that's, that's our Lalita Vistara, the whole play, Puck's vision. Um, and this is, this, is, this is the play that the Buddha's ancestors wrote out. First, they wrote about his entering Maya's womb, his mother, his mother Maya. He was, had been, before he entered Maya's womb, he was, um, he was uh, living with other bodhisattvas on, uh, in Tushita heaven, the heaven of joy. Um, and, and they were all planning uh, Buddha's, Buddha's going down to Jambuvipa, which is the, is what they said, this is what the planet Earth was called to, to teach. And they picked um, Queen Maya and her husband, King Sudadama. That doesn't sound right. Um, I've got my soul, Sudadana, of an N, um, to be the parents. And so uh, the Lord of the three worlds, revered by all worlds, this is Buddha, now judged that the time had come. The Bodhisattva moved fully conscious and aware from the fine realm of the heaven of joy to the womb of his mother. He entered through his mother's right side in the form of a baby elephant, white in color with six tusks. His head was the color of reddish insect 
and the tusks were blazing gold. He had all his limbs intact, his faculties were full. As he entered, he stayed only on the right side of the womb, never on the left side. And at the same time, Queen Maya was sleeping on her pleasant bed and had this dream. I dreamed, she said, a snowy colored elephant with six tusks, beautiful feet, exquisite trunk and pretty red head, moving in a fine gait with joints as stable as a diamond, entered my womb. I had never seen, heard, or experienced such a rare happiness, feeling this physical and mental bliss, I became absorbed in concentration. This is, um, this, this comes from, from Buddha's culture. Uh, this is the story um, that, that uh, they know um, from their from their culture and has been passed down through us. We sometimes don't think of conception happening that way in this kind of scientific culture that we're in, the scientific slash psychological culture that we're in 2,500 years later. Um, we think that that's the expression of the accord and harmony of the universe in psychological and scientific terms. And uh, the accord and harmony 2,500 years ago in this part of India was expressed this way. That was act six of of uh, the play in full. The first, the first five acts, they were still making plans up into Shita heaven. And only, only in act six of the full play uh, was, did conception occur. Act seven is the birth. Monks, the Buddha said, all you monks, in this way, 10 months passed, and the time came for the Bodhisattva to take birth. <coughs> All flowers budded and blossomed. In the ponds, all pond, in the ponds, all blue, red, and white lotus flowers, all budded and blossomed. New fruit and flower trees sprung from the earth, budded, and came into blossom. Eight trees of precious gems appeared. 20,000 great treasures emerged and remained on the grounds. Jeweled shoots sprouted forth. Scented water saturated with fragrant oils flowed forth. Lion cubs descended from snow mountains. 
500 young white elephants appeared, stroking the king with their trunks. Naga, Nagas, dragons out of the water, could be seen holding aloft various offerings, revealing the upper half of their bodies as they moved in the sky, maybe like maybe like mermen and merwomen, mermaids. 10,000 celestial beings were hovering in the sky, holding up peacock feathers. Many hundreds of celestial beings were holding shells, playing drums and cymbals. The winds became still and ceased to blow. The doors of the storehouses of cloths and gems flung open. The calls of crows, owls, vultures, wolves, jackals ceased to be heard. All people stopped their work, Liz. They, they, stopped, they stopped their work. The, 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 food, the food has already appeared in the kitchen, fully cooked. I mean, of a... Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, Liz, Liz is just going to check and make sure that that's so, and go and go cook and see if uh, if um, our lunch is really ready. Um, I'm trying to find the place. I thought it was the Nagas who. Uh, who uh, spewed out two plumes of water to baptize the baby Buddha. Um, and that's of course what we're gonna be doing. We come, we come on either side of the baby statue and we, uh, two people at a time, bathe the Buddha. And that comes from, um, I'm, I'm skipping because there's a lot more, let me tell you but maybe I've skipped the most important part about the two plumes of water. But trust me, it's in here. All the gods in the Sala forest revealed themselves bowing. The queen was now surrounded by 84,000 richly ornamented horse-drawn chariots. 84,000 richly ornamented elephant-drawn chariots. She was guarded by 40,000 middle-aged men from King Sudadana's Shakya clan. She was surrounded by the entire retinue who sang songs and played music, bells and cymbals. 
the entire Lumbini Grove. Buddha was born at Lumbini, is what we chanted this morning, was sprinkled with droplets of perfumed water. Every tree in that perfect grove had leaves, flowers, and fruits. She wandered from tree to tree and eventually arrived at an exquisite fig tree. The branches spread out and bowed to her. Monks at that time Shakya, Chakra, Lord of the Gods and Brahma appeared before the Bodhisattva. As soon as he was born, the Bodhisattva stepped onto the ground. Wherever his feet touched, a large lotus immediately sprung from the earth. Okay. Then the great Naga kings and queens appeared in the sky and produced two streams of cool and warm water to rinse the Bodhisattva baby's body. Chakra, the Brahma king, and his retinue then bathed the Bodhisattva in perfumed water and scattered flower petals over him. A parasol of precious gems and two yak tail whisks also appeared from midair. There'll be a horsetail whisk in today's ceremony. The Bodhisattva stood on a large lotus and surveyed the four directions with his lion's gaze. At this point, he felt a lion-like fearlessness, free from anxiety and apprehension. Unsupported, he took seven, seven steps towards the east. Wherever he took a step, a lotus sprouted forth. He then took seven steps towards the south. saying, this is my last birth. I shall uproot birth, old age, sickness, and death. He took seven steps towards the north. Finally, he took seven steps towards the west and said, I alone am the world honored one. Kazan, 
Kazan, Buddha's, or um, um, Dogen's heir, wrote about Buddha's birth. And uh, Kazan challenged us to think about that statement, I alone am the world honored one. Kazan said, who is this I? What is that capital I that he was speaking of? And um, he gave us a hint that it wasn't the I and that, that skin bag, no matter how beautiful Buddha's body was, was it with its 32 marks of, of being a Buddha, being a Buddha. Um, it, it wasn't that eye of the skin bag, it was that eye of the whole works. I alone am the world, he challenges us to think about. I am the whole works, and this is our this is the practice he gave us. This big self, as Suzuki says, this big hearted, wholehearted self that nourishes spring, that causes the earth and the whole sky to become enlightened. This I that, that um, increases the Dharma bliss of all Buddhas in all realms. This is the I that, um, that the very young Shakyamuni said was the world honored one, was the whole world, this I of wholeness. And that was his teaching for the next 80 years and the teaching that, that um, we know is the reality of the earth with our profound intimacy and interconnection. And uh, as, uh, as um, we've been talking about always in relationship, never the small I, um, never the small I always being supported and supporting this um, whole universe. As we chanted this morning, the mother of all Buddhas is this, is this um, big self, is this I that is the whole works. That's where, that's how it always has been. But, um, but it just got wrote down here. And as we chanted this morning, this is when, when all of us here on Jambuita felt the turning, the first turning of the Dharma wheel. Oh, that's what this is all about. Nourishing spring, dancing with each other, uh, embodying the accord 
that is the whole universe. As we, um, as we finish up this morning with, with sitting and um, settling back into the, the quiet and tranquility of Sashin and then nourish ourselves with, with the lunch that Liz and Anita have prepared for us and prepare for the ceremony and then participate in the ceremony. Uh, we're, we're, we're the whole world is anointing the, the Buddha today, not only here on School Street, not only down at the Watsonville Buddhist Church, but the whole world is doing this dance of bathing the baby Buddha today, of swallowing up completely the spring, the moon, the stars, and the whole universe. Beings are numberless. I vow to save them. Delusions are inexhaustible. I vow to end them. Dharma gates are boundless. I vow to enter them. Buddha's way is unsurpassable. I vow to become it. Beings are numberless. I vow to save them. Delusions are inexhaustible. I vow to end them. I vow to be one.